Good morning, New Creation. Good morning. Hello. We are so privileged to have some uh, guests and brothers in faith and ministry with us here this morning. Uh, we have Titi and Tyrus joining us from not too far away. Actually, you guys are part of our local area community involved in, in ministry here. And um, can we give them a warm new creation welcome yes. as we're going to hear from them this morning? I'm going to ask them to uh, introduce themselves and to tell us a little bit about what, what they are involved in. But I think we're going to kick off with the next video first to set the scene. All right. So we, we're very excited. Just recently, we feel that um, the Lord just started connecting dots with, with us to uh, connect with Tyrus and Titi and excited to hear and be part of and partner with what God is doing through ministry and sports. And Tyrus, I wonder if you can just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, um, the time that you've spent in this ministry and, and what sports ministry and community is all about. Yeah, I want to begin by saying, uh, somebody said this, uh, the stadiums have become the new cathedrals. Uh, the players have become the new idols. The trophies have become the new holy grails. So you can imagine 80% of the people follow and watch sport. I don't know how many of you watched rugby yesterday. South Africa play. Amen. <laughs> so it tells you we need to be engaging in this space. Uh, by the way, my name is Cyrus. I've been involved in sports ministry for the last 25 years. Began right in Kenya. Had the privilege of uh, uh, chaplaincing the Kenya national team uh, that went to the Olympics and the Africa Cup of Nations. My last project was the AFCON last year in Cameroon. Yeah, I'm a father of two beautiful daughters. Uh, sorry, they couldn't come with me. We just arrived last night from Cape Town. We had uh, we had just trained 27 young people from six provinces here in South Africa. So they finished their training this coming Friday. So I'm passionate about sports ministry. You can imagine how long I've been doing this for the last 25 years, and I thank God for His grace and mercy that has allowed me to traverse this continent and this world, preaching and teaching people the importance of us sharing the gospel and making disciples who will make disciples for Jesus. Amen. And uh, Taris, maybe you can tell us a little bit about the Ready, Set, Go program, what that's all about, how it plays out, uh, how, your involvement in it, and, and what that looks like in our communities. So, ready, set, go, those are very three important words for any person who does athletics. Can those words can mean a gold medal or coming out on Olympics after four years of training with nothing. So, ready, set, go was birthed as a result of us seeing the need for us to reach and impact the sports world. So, ready means simply a gathering and envisioning people who feel called to become engaged in sport, play, fitness, and the reason addition is e-sport. So we are very much involved in doing e-sport now. In fact, people are busy writing curriculum to reach the e-sport. So that's the word ready. Then set is to prepare everybody to become a disciple maker. We are very big on discipleship. That's one of the, our core values that we are called to make disciples of all nations. And then the last one is uh, the uh, set, go, and then go is a place where we have go strategies that we use. For example, for me, I'm very passionate about family. So we have a strategy that really gears to us reaching the family and the family space with the gospel. And using sport and play as a, as a catalyst to do that. And, and sport as a catalyst, 
seems to, to be used around the world um, in this incredibly powerful way, but in different contexts, sometimes in small settings, um, just a small group that, are, that come around a sport and a, a common interest and a hobby and using that to, to spread the gospel. And then at times, uh, it's chaplaincy to national teams. You weren't with the Australian team last night, hey? They needed a little bit of chaplaincy last night, I think. <laughs> and, and then there's also uh, setting up of sports leagues. We, we had the testimony recently um, in Taiwan of how soccer leagues have been set up um, by the Christians and churches to reach young people across Taiwan, which is uh, an amazing testimony as well. So you, have you seen that across the, the range? Yes, basically, uh, one of the things that I'm doing right now, I'm involved with refugees in Kenya. So I go there every year. We just came back from Kenya with my daughters. So we've been working in the refugee camp for the last 20 years and using sport as a means and a way to bring peace. You know, peace we take for granted here in the refugee camp is gold. So we use sport as a way of bringing peace and bringing uh, communities together that can be able to work together and using that as a way of sharing the gospel and reaching people for the, for the, for the lost for Christ. So, yeah, that's, a, that's the impact of sport has uh, even bringing conflict to resolution. Wow. And uh, Titi, we want to bring you into the conversation here. Tell us a bit about yourself and, and sports ministry and your, your history and your testimony. Good morning. Um, yeah, good morning to everyone. Uh, my name is Tisezo. Um, and I am a recent graduate of the Multiply School of Ready, Set, Go. So I recently graduated last year. Um, and just to share my testimony, um, so I'm a huge sport fanatic. Um, I've been involved in so many sports throughout high school. Um, and I love ministry. I love sharing the gospel. And um, in 2020, an, an idea came to my mind of how I can sort of bring the two together and use sport as a tool to, to share the gospel and reach out to people, you know. Uh, but one of the challenges was that I had never seen it anywhere, you know. So it was like, I'm probably just fa uh, fantasizing or something, you know. It's not something that, that's really, I don't think it would work, you know. But I still wrote it down and I prayed about it and I'm like, God, if this is you, then um, you, you'll, ma you'll make a way for it to happen, you know. And two years down the line, I started to like doubt, you know, because there wasn't really anything happening and I was just involved in youth ministry and there wasn't any type of sports thing and I started to doubt the vision you know and then Pastor Tyrus came along and um, through one of my mentors they connected me and I found out there's um, the Ready Set Go Multiply School and once I figured out what it was you know for me it was just like this is God sort of confirming that it's possible to um, use sports as a tool to share the gospel and to reach out to people, you know. So it was, for me, it was a huge confirmation that it's possible. And I think it just causes us as the church to look outside the box, you know. You saw the stats that there's 80% of people that watch and play sports, you know. And I think it's a really a, a great tool that we could use to reach out, to share the gospel. And it, it's really flexible, you know. It's sports and it's games, you know. So it's for the young people it's for the families, it's, it's for everybody, you know, and, and, and I think as a church, it opens our eyes to see that um, there's so many avenues we can use outside of the building to make disciples and to share the gospel. Um, and, and, and just to make it practical for all of us, I don't know, um, uh, the sports of athletics, right, I don't know if these people that 
do long distance running. But when you think of long distance running, it's something for those of us who do it, we do it almost every day, five to six, four days a week. You know, and if you form a group um, of people that you train with, that you see so many times a week, imagine how much impact you could have with people that you are spending time with. Amen. Four to five days a week for about an hour, 30 minutes. And if you use that to share the gospel, to do a Bible study before or after the training, you know, there could be so much growth that you could be, that you could be um, accomplishing and in sharing the gospel. So I think it's a really powerful tool. And for me, um, I've been using it um, at the youth ministry. So we have what we call games. And, and we use games to share certain lessons and principles to the kids. And I found that it, it's so impactful, you know, because it allows them to engage and have fun. But at the end of the day, the main goal is, do they catch the lesson that we're trying to teach them through those games? You know, so it's just a way of sharing the gospel outside the box. And I'm enjoying it. Um, I've been doing it for a few months. And I'm, I'm really hopeful for the future that um, we could do more and impact our communities as the church through sports. Yeah. And, and I think the overlap with the actual act of doing the sports, you know, we see in the Bible all the, these analogies around sports and endurance and, uh, you know, finishing the race. And we, we, it's such an opportunity to practically understand godly and biblical truths in the act of playing, in the act of competing, in the act of training and disciplining that um, is just a really powerful tool. And um, these gentlemen have been pioneering in this and we are very blessed to be able to partner with them. And uh, we have an event coming up in August where we are going to just have a, a short time together to hear a bit, a bit more about what this could look like in different contexts, different sports, different ideas, um, what could that look like for new creationers? What could that look like for our community here? And um, hear a little bit about that and get some envisioning from these guys. So that's going to be happening on the 19th of August here on our property. And we would like to invite all of us and people maybe even in other churches in the wider community that would like to hear more about this and get involved. So come along. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Good morning, everybody. Am I not on? Lucky's supposed to put me on. <laughs> Am I on now? Thanks. I'll wait for my PowerPoint. So thank you, TC and Tyrus, for sharing that, and Dan for conducting that interview. It's very exciting. I really hope that uh, we would get, especially, I know there's lots of athletes here. Lots. Runners, cyclists, martial artists. Um, if you want to know, if families uh, that use play, playing with your children, um, dancing, come. Let's take your ministry to the next level. And uh, for those who don't know who I am, I'm Sharon. I volunteer as the missions coordinator for our church. Um, I'm part of Synergy in Mission. That's the name of our group. And I'm just a representative of a group of people who have already been doing a lot. And today we're going to speak about uh, 
the forerunner to that ministry. I'm sure you know him, it's John the Baptist. A voice crying out in the wilderness makes straight the way for the Lord. What is the song that we sang, the last one? I speak Jesus, he spoke Jesus. He really did. So, who was John the Baptist? Okay, He was a descendant of Aaron and the Levitical priesthood. The, the brother of Moses, sorry, John the Baptist was a descendant of Aaron, the brother of Moses, which made him part of the priestly lineage. His father was Zechariah, who served as a priest in the temple in Jerusalem. This lineage connects John to the sacred and revered Levitical priesthood established by God in the Old Testament. He had a connection to the prophetic tradition. John the Baptist had a connection. The angel Gabriel declared that John would go before the Lord in the spirit of Elijah. The reference, this re- reference to Elijah, one of the greatest prophets of Israel, signifies that John would carry on the prophetic mantle in preparing the people for the coming Messiah. There was a fulfillment of prophecy regarding John's birth and ministry recorded in the Old Testament. The prophet Malachi prophesied about a messenger who would come before the Lord, preparing the way and turning the hearts of the people back to God. John's ministry as the forerunner of Jesus fulfilled these prophecies, indicating that he played a crucial role in God's redemptive plan. He had a family connection with Jesus, According to Luke's gospel, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Elizabeth, the mother of John, were relatives. This familial tie underscores a close relationship between John and Jesus and further emphasizes John's role as the one who would announce and prepare the way for the Messiah. It's a very special role. His unique calling to both the priesthood and the prophetic tradition set him apart as a unique figure in salvation history. His dual heritage allowed him to bridge the gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament, emphasizing the continuity of God's redemptive plan while introducing the transformative power and work of the Holy Spirit. Passages about John the Baptist in the Bible. These passages passages provide passengers. We are passengers, right? These passages provide a comprehensive picture of John the Baptist's life, his ministry, and his relationship with Jesus. They offer insights into his calling, his message, and the significant role he played in preparing the way for the ministry of Jesus Christ. The struggles of John the Baptist. He had opposition from religious authorities. John's bold and uncompromising preaching, which exposed hypocrisy and called for repentance, challenged the religious establishment of his time, resulted in resistance and opposition from the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who held significant power and influence. He called them a brood of vipers. Do you think you'd be able to do that today? He suffered persecution and imprisonment. Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, was initially intrigued by John's teachings, 
But he became resentful when John publicly denounced his unlawful marriage to Herodias. He wasn't concerned about anybody's feelings, this man. That's what the cost of truth is, right? Speaking that. His, Herodias sought to have John silenced because of his honesty, leading to his arrest and imprisonment. John suffered doubts and spiritual struggles. While imprisoned, John experienced moments of doubt about Jesus' identity as the Messiah. He sent his disciples to, seek, uh, to Jesus to seek clarification and assurance. This struggle revealed the human side of John, wrestling with uncertainty while awaiting his fate. You know, while I was going through these points uh, with Roscoe, my husband, uh, I said to him, you know, of all the things that he went through, that John the Baptist went through, I think this is the one that I identify with most. Because there have been moments in my life where I have questioned, God, are you really, are you really there? Jesus, are you, are you really who you say you are? And I find comfort in knowing that John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ's ministry, also experienced these things. but he didn't stop him. He had, he had his doubts, he had his struggles, but it didn't stop him from continuing his ministry. And remember, he didn't have the New Testament when he was going through this. He had the Old Testament, and he had a relationship. He had a relationship with God. Number four, isolation and physical hardship. Imprisonment likely brought about physical hardship and isolation for John, being confined in a prison cell, separated from his disciples, and the freedom to continue his ministry would have been a difficult experience. Facing martyrdom, the very last one. This ultimate struggle for John was his martyrdom. Herodias seized the opportunity during a banquet to have John executed while they were having a party. Wow. Herod reluctantly ordered John's beheading to fulfill the request made by Herodias' daughter. John's death was a result of his unwavering commitment to speaking truth, even at great personal cost. What is your greatest personal cost you think you'd be able to do for the gospel? It is a rhetorical question. I can tell you what's, what would be mine. It would be saying that my own comfort is less important than the gospel. That it would mean that I am happy to live where I am living without worrying about load shedding and, and all the other things that are happening in our country. That I'm okay there because that is my field, my mission field. I'm not living in the desert. I'm not eating honey. I'm most certainly not wearing animal skins today, no leather today. But he must become greater, greater, and I must become less, less. Can we actually do that? Do you think you would be able to say to the materialistic world that we live in, that I don't need those things. I don't need a new car. I don't need new clothing. I'm happy at the thrift store. 
John's unwavering dedication to proclaiming repentance, his willingness to confront sin and injustice, and his humility in recognizing Jesus' supremacy serve as an inspiration to all of us today. John's struggle reminds us that faithfully following God's calling may involve opposition, persecution, and personal sacrifice. Yet in the face of adversity, John's example encourages us to remain steadfast in our commitment to truth and righteousness, trusting in God's sovereignty and the eternal significance of our obedience to him. Now today in the 21st century, thousands of years after John the Baptist, our struggles are very different, but the mandate to die to self so that Christ is lifted up in our lives and in the lives of others has not changed. Sure, we don't have to physically live in the desert or eat. I've already said that, you see. (laughs) Our values and our behaviors as genuine gospel-centered Christians has the power to change people around us for the glory of God's kingdom. But we cannot do this if we are only concerned with our ears being tickled and our time being consumed by TikTok videos, trends, and things. How many people are on TikTok? Oh, did you, you're gonna raise your hand? <laughs> this is the world that we live in. I think it's very interesting, if you were listening to what Tyrus and Titi were saying earlier on, Ready, Set, Go also has a focus on e-games. It's gaming, it's basically gaming. So those of you that have an interest in that and want to learn how to use it for the extension of God's kingdom, please come. We ought to be pursuing the goals as determined by Jesus when he told us to go, make disciples, and teach them all to obey. Obedience to Christ in every sphere, every interaction and every intent empowered by the Holy Spirit. To help you in your journey and to have a little bit of interactive things going on here, I'm going to give you a few practical steps in preparing yourself for your role in the Great Commission. So when you see the slide up, I want you to say the number and the little note next to it, okay? Yes. A little bit louder. Please. Amen. Like we won the rugby yesterday. Before we can effectively share the good news, we must first have a personal relationship with Christ. Spend time in prayer, study the word, and seek a deeper understanding of who Jesus is and what he has done for you. Let the love and grace you receive from him transform you your life. It is most certainly a personal calling and it is the responsibility of each and every one of us if you consider yourself a Christian. In fact, if you do not have that burning desire to go and share the gospel, you should be concerned. You should be worried. Being a Christian is not about self. It really isn't. Long-suffering is something that we are forgetting when it comes to living as a Christian. 
that is the one aspect of our faith that you need to be, you need to be more concerned about. The Great Commission is not just a task for pastors, missionaries, or evangelists. It is a command given to every believer. Recognize that you have a unique role to play in sharing the gospel within your sphere of influence, whether it be among family, friends, colleagues, or neighbors. Thank you. <laughs> Equip yourself with a solid understanding of the gospel message. Study the Bible. Attend Bible studies and listen to teachings that deepen your knowledge of salvation through Christ. This will enable you to articulate and explain the gospel effectively to others. That's my son's voice. <laughs> I hear you, boy. Build genuine relationships with people around you. Show love, compassion, and kindness to others. By investing in meaningful connections, you create opportunities for conversations about faith and the gospel to arise naturally. Start with your family. Start with your children. They are the first line, first line. You need to get it right with them because we are preparing them for the world that they will be in when we are gone. Let your actions align with your beliefs. Live a life that reflects the transformative power of the gospel. Demonstrate Christ's love through acts of service, forgiveness, and integrity. Your life should be a testimony of the grace and truth found in Jesus. And I think it's somewhere, I know it's a bit of cliche, but I've read it so many times. Integrity is doing the right thing when no one is looking. Because people look, people see, people, when you think no one is looking, someone is looking. Yeah. This, is the, this undergirds everything that we do for, for Christ. Everything. Every idea you get, every action that you want to do, anything, any activity, pray first. Pray. Then we go empowered. Seek God's guidance and ask him to open doors for you to share the gospel. Pray for the people around you who need to hear the good news. Pray for courage, wisdom, and sensitivity to the leading of the Holy Spirit and in recognizing and seizing those opportunities. You know, for a long time, uh, we, we focus on Windsor East as being our mission field. Now, I live in Windsor East. I've prayed for many opportunities to, to minister to my, to my neighbors, to my friends. But you know what? Everyone that's in Windsor East, we, we are staying there. We are, we are there. My neighbors are still there. I've still got the same neighbors from 10, 15 years. But why is everyone from Robin Hills moving? Do you understand what I mean? Why? What is so bad in Robin Hills that people are moving, but everybody in Windsor East is living, staying? Do we need to start praying for the people in Robin Hills? Yeah. <laughs> 
You know, this is actually a pattern, guys. I mean, I'm being serious. How many people living in Robin Hills, Robindale, all of that, your neighbors are moving. Why? Are you even praying for them? And they're not moving to the next province. They are moving overseas. Our family should not be getting, yes, I do agree, the mission field can be, the globe is God's mission field. But we are living here remaining. We need to remain faithful, steadfast, till the end. Please pray for your neighbors in Robin Hills. <laughs> Look for appropriate opportunities to share the gospel with others. It could be through initiating spiritual conversations, inviting someone to church or Bible study, sharing your personal testimony, or offering to pray for someone in need. And there are needy people in Robin Hills. Be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit and trust that He will guide your words and actions. You know, you can actually, if there's any tennis coaches or any sports coaches, come to the envisioning um, workshop on the 19th. If you are coaching young people or anything, whatever, come. Let's take this to the next level. And be intentional. Foster personal growth and maturity in your walk with Christ. Engage in disciple relationships. Attend church services regularly. And participate in mission outreach programs. The more you grow in your faith, the better equipped you will be to share it with others. We are not alone in this journey. The same God who led the Israelites through the wilderness and empowered John the Baptist ministry is with us today, guiding, empowering, and transforming us. We are not alone. And as you can see from the videos that we've, we've shared today, there's a lot of initiatives that you can get involved in. In fact, one of the things that I'm so, I'm so happy to see that, you know, God's work is just God's hand in everything. The video that we shared earlier on um, for the Synergy in Mission team, Marie Claire was speaking about the Lesotho mission trip that they had been to in November. Now, that particular video was uh, recorded in February of this year. And she said, you know, she said that we're hoping to send another team to help with the children. And last week, Pastor Pitt set me up so well with his words. So if you were here, he was speaking about the success of the um, Holiday Club. It's always a success, every year. The success is that there are more children that come year on year. Okay, and he's, the theme was all around the world, okay, uh, the global mission. And those leaders that he trained to participate and lead the children, we are hoping that we would be able to take them to Lesotho to help the children. So this is your opportunity. If you are interested in going to Lesotho, to, to the Rutanang Community Development for a week, I encourage you, go and talk to Marie Claire after the service. 
Yes, over the school holidays in that time, from the 30th of September to the 7th of October. If you can't go, send. Okay, send. If you can't speak, pray for them. We need it. I want to encourage you to pursue a missional mindset with the many different outreach programs that exist in our church. Just come out of curiosity. If you want to know anything, leave your name and number down. There's lots of us that's going to be uh, lined at our tables. You can see that over there. And like I said, if you can't go, send. Okay? If you can't speak, if you can't talk, about, or, or you don't have the opportunity just yet, pray. Pray for us as well. Even as we get everyone together to go um, in October to Lesotho, I'm very excited about that. I will be there as well. Pete will be there. Please, over 18, with passports. <laughs> Before I hand you over to, back to, to Pastor Paul, I just want to say, you know, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to minister. Um, there's many, many, many more opportunities coming, uh, and we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We really don't have to. And just remember, you don't have to eat locusts. You don't have to eat wild honey. Just start your ministry very simply by coming in alongside one of us here. And volunteer like me, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.